God's grace, his mercy, his peace, they are yours through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who is the one truth that, that really matters. Amen. I don't know if Martin Luther knew exactly what he was getting into when he took, and on this date a long time ago, October 31st, pounded 95 theses into the castle church door in Wittenberg. He simply wanted a debate. He had seen what had happened to the gospel. It had been lost in a bunch of tradition and false teaching. The church used it to manipulate people, to raise funds for buildings, for armies. The secular authorities bowed to the church. It was this terrible mix, a poison of church and state. And Martin Luther discovered this, this truth. It was, it was this righteousness of God that everyone feared that God had expectations that, that we must live a certain way or God will judge and it's eternal. And, and he discovered that, wait, wait, the righteousness that God demands is, is also the righteousness that God gives. And it doesn't come at a cost that we pay. It's one paid by God. It's free. It's yours. And he'd hoped He'd hoped that everyone would bow a knee to this truth that needed to be proclaimed. If it's free, why charge? If it's so simple, why make it complicated? If it's something that God wants to give, why use it to manipulate people? But then it stirred the pot and caused problems in the church and in the state and the Reformation, the Revolution, the Protestant movement, whatever you want to call it, it began and rages on. Well, this is not unique. God knew that, that the truth that he makes so simple, the promise that he himself fulfilled, the way that he untangles the sin that we are tangled in, the way that God makes it possible that we can be with him, he knew that the world would try to, try to give something else, try to present other truths, try to make man think or believe that he had a different way or a different path that would lead to this God. It never works. And yet the world and the devil rage, they rage on. And, and so we look at these, these two verses that were given in a vision to John, who was the last apostle there on this eight-mile island of rock in the middle of the Aegean. He was sent there in exile because of what he believed in. This was real persecution. And so God gave him vision after vision and, and seeing these different battles and the different ways that it would be waged by the world, by the devil, even within the church. And yet we see again, and again victory 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 every time and even when before we get to these two verses we see this 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 beast arise but it looks like a, a lamb but it's it's a voice like a wolf it's this wolf in sheep's clothing and it's given power and it deceives many it's just it's a recycling of the same thing and and then we have this promise of God as as it reads then I saw another angel flying in midair and he had the eternal gospel to proclaim to those who live on the earth, to every nation, tribe, language, and people. God makes a promise in this that his eternal gospel will be proclaimed and it needs to be heard by the entire earth. No limitations of continent or language or age. Everyone needs to hear this. And what is that? He said in a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and the springs of water. It's simple. It puts God right where he has always been as God. 
the one who created it all, and, and he says, fear him, and I think we should, because we know who we are and the broken creation that we, we have polluted, and we stand before God and know that he is going to come, and our hearts scream, what do I do, what do I do? God says, worship me, but how do I worship a God that I, that I fear? I, I'd like to take you back to a different image, a different picture that takes us back to the end of Luther's life when he breathed his last February 18th, 1546 and his casket is on a cart and it's being led through the German countryside and it's being processed by a bunch of, of knights in full regalia w ready to wage war if they needed to as they bring him where he died back to the castle church in Wittenberg where he pounded those 95 theses where he taught in the university and people would push and gather just to get a glimpse of the casket and people were coming in droves and the bells of the churches were ringing and they wondered now what are we going to do the one that God used his voice to bring us back to this truth he got the Bible into the hands of the people he translated it into German so it could be read by all it united a people a nation in this truth that God has redeemed sinners and now that voice has been silenced a casket tells the tale now what do we do? Who will speak? How will we know? Who is the one that's going to distill this truth for us? The interesting thing about it is that he was threatened by the Pope that anyone that killed him it would actually be a good work. He was threatened with anathema that, that may his teachings and all he is and does be damned. That, that was the voice of the church. And the secular authorities, they had banned him too because they bowed to the Pope. That anyone could go and kill him in the dead of night or whatever. This would be a good deed. And you know who took the life of Luther? It wasn't a knife, it wasn't a guillotine, it wasn't burning at the stake. It was God himself that allowed his heart to stop beating because it was time to be with Jesus. And the voice would go on. And the voice would be proclaimed and it would go through battles and conflicts and a hundred year war and persecution and go across an ocean and start a new nation and it would be preached and proclaimed from pulpits and in classrooms and in homes at kitchen tables and the gospel that needed to be heard, the eternal gospel, the one and only truth that really matters cannot be silenced because it changes everything. It changes hearts, it changes lives, it changes eternities. And we see that this, this voice that speaks this truth of the eternal gospel, how it moves hearts that would make stands like we look in the Old Testament lesson, a fiery furnace or bow a knee to an idol. I mean, bow a knee, who cares? Just say sorry later, right? No, I will not. I will not bow a knee to a foreign God. I will not listen to you and I do not need to apologize. Go ahead, bring the fire. God will rescue and redeem me. That is what a heart moved by the gospel in the midst of persecution speaks. That's the power that, that faith in the truth of, of our God, the eternal gospel, moves hearts to do. And Jesus warned, even in the gospel lesson, that this was going to be assaulted, that you would be dragged in front of, and that, that first generation dragged in front of civil authorities, and don't worry about what you need to say. The Holy Spirit will give you the words to say it. In times of persecution, we see that when Christians were threatened with lions in the Colosseum, what did they do? They, they sang to the Lord and he redeemed them. Not as the world saw it, because most often in martyrdom, it's death. But God has that solution, and, and I think we see this, and we hope and pray that God would give us such boldness, but it's often hard to hear the voice 
that speaks such an amazing, profound, really the only truth that matters when we are at a time of peace and blessing and, and prosperity. I think we come here and think, and I've been asked the question, do you think the end is coming? Because, boy, just watch the news. I mean, seriously, China now has the technology, supersonic rockets that can be manned with, with or put, uh, you can put a nuclear warhead and that goes right through our missile defense system. Now, what are we going to do? The threat of superinflation and, and, and just to see these rogue nations and what they do, you aren't even safe in, in, the, in the big cities and you see the violence is just random and it just seems to be creeping in and yet we sit here in this beautiful church. <laughs> we go home to our beautiful home we have food in our fridge and a nice car that drives us there to the grocery store to get it. And though things may get hard and it goes through the stages that this world brings, it's often hard to see the seriousness and the necessity of this one truth that matters because the world gives us so many truths, so many things to pursue. So many things that, that make our hearts happy and, and, the, and the glitter, it makes our eyes just, just reflect that shininess. And, and it's not like we have to make a decision between life and death, right? We, we can check in and, and do a shout out to God on Sundays and remember him in moments in life, but, but there are other things and there are other important blessings that, that God gives us and often we pursue. But you find yourselves being more excited about the things God created and blesses you with than, than the creator. It's often hard to keep the excitement. We come to church, but it's a punch in, right? And a punch out. We look at our watch to see how long is pastor going to go? We, we tune in online because it's right through the busyness of the weekend and we go and we do our God, but we do life and we do it hard because there are fun things to do and, and there are experiences we need to have and, and those, are, those are a blessing from God that is not wrong except for when it becomes where our heart pursues these things and we find ourselves worshiping that which doesn't last, the created things, instead of the one that, that created it all. How do we keep our hearts balanced? How do we find joy in the one thing that matters when we're not under the pressure of persecution, when we finally have to make a decision, when it's not between right and wrong, that's the easier thing, when it's between good and, and best, that's, that's the harder thing. So about a week and a half ago, I get a phone call and, and someone had collapsed and, and a dear, dear one brought them into the, the hospital in the emergency room and there they are in the gurney not knowing whether it's going to be life or death, truly believing that it, it's, it's going to be death. I don't think I'm going to make it. And, and all of a sudden, the phone call to a pastor who's been pushed away often and, and there, there you are with, uh, on a speakerphone and a cell phone on a in a hospital room and you're calling as you're driving and, and, and say, how's everything going? I don't think I'm going to make it, but it's okay. I've made my peace with God. How in the world do you make your peace with God? It, it just doesn't happen that way. 
What are you going to give God? Oh, my life, my life is, is great. Here's what I give to you, God. Look at how well I lived, how I love my neighbor, how I use the resources, how I've been such a blessing. Here, I give to you my marriage. This is it, God. This is the thing that I have done that has made what you created marriage to be such a blessing. Look at the way I raised my kids, God. Such a great father, such a great mother. Look at my life here, God. The way that I treat those around me, the way, the impact I had on the world, this is the way it is, God. The things that I pursued, God, God, these are the offerings I give to you. Seriously? Is church attendance and offerings and the things that we do right going to make up for the wrong? Is God going to smile and see a life that's half-lived in the way that he expects going to be the thing that makes the difference? Not at all. See, we can't make peace with God. Thank goodness the mid-air angel continues to to spread that eternal gospel to everyone that needs to hear it, to every language, tribe, and people, to fear God, because he says, he says these words, that his judgment has come. That's past tense. That doesn't mean that, that we have this extra time. It means that God is coming, that a lot of what God wanted to accomplish on earth has already been accomplished, that there's only a few things that remain, and we don't know the exact day or time. But let me tell you this. God has made peace with you. Now that changes everything. You mean I don't have to live and walk in fear? I don't have to stand here and worry that when I breathe my last, God is going to weigh my life on his scales? See, that's why the eternal gospel needs to be proclaimed. It's a life that we can't live wrapped up in the one who lived it. It's God in the flesh. It's a sacrifice made that changes everything, tips the scales in our favor, and it's not something that we earn. It's not something that becomes ours as this long process of a good life lived that we've set ourselves apart. No, God gives it to us by faith. By a splash of water washing sins away, changing your status, as God looked down at the one that he sent, his own beloved, he says, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And that transfers to you in the waters of your baptism and the forgiveness you receive today as God looks at you and the faith he has worked in your heart and says, you are my dear son, my dear daughter, and I can't help but love you. And I will love you through life and all its challenges and I will continue to serve you with the way that I serve best. It's my sacrifice and it is yours. And I will bring you right through death to the life I have already planned and see you in. That's the eternal gospel. It's yours. It's faith that believes this truth of God and it helps us put in perspective everything that we face and all the world that, that, that the devil does. It's yours. Can I take you to another moment in Luther's life? I mean, this man, if, if one who has changed history, I mean, if you think about it, there are movies made about him, documentaries on even public television about Martin Luther, and, and the one who wrote volumes of books and, and stood against the church and stood against even secular authority and say, here I stand, so help me God, to have the boldness of this man and, and to have things that we still use today, the catechism and, and the way that we call ourselves Lutheran to set ourselves apart as by faith alone, by grace alone, by God's word alone, this man did it all. And yet none of that really means anything ex except for the one thing when, 
when he was dying and his pastor, who actually chose this text to be the funeral text for, for Martin Luther, was bedside with him and asked him some questions and received. This is, this is Martin Luther's last words. When Luther, Luther noticed that, he had his, that his hour had come, he prayed this way. He said, O my heavenly Father, one God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, God of all comfort, I, I thank you that you have revealed to me your dear Son, Jesus Christ, in whom I believe, whom I have preached and confessed, whom I have loved and praised, whom the loathsome Pope and the godless, they revile, they persecute, they blaspheme. Now I implore you, my Lord Jesus Christ, let my little soul be commended to you. O Heavenly Father, although I must leave this body and be snatched away from this life, I am nevertheless certain that I will remain with you eternally and that no one can tear me out of your hands. And then he said three times, into your hands I commend my spirit. You have redeemed me, you faithful God. And then he recited simply the passage. It just, it's, it's the passage we all know. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And then he folded his hands and gave up his spirit to Christ in, in grand silence. The voice that God used to change so many to be the midair angel proclaiming the eternal gospel was silenced and there was absolute peace because he was with the Savior he proclaimed. And that same Savior is proclaimed to you. This is your peace. This is, this is your hope. This is what gets you through what this life brings. This is the thing that God the Holy Spirit allows your hands to cling to when there are errors and other truths all around us. May we too today leave with a spring in our step, with an extra beat in our heart, with an optimism and a hope that only God can give because Jesus is your Savior. And that means everything in life, it changes everything in death, and it means that you live now eternally. The eternal gospel is yours. And, and that is the one truth, the only truth, that really matters. Amen. Please stand. Now may the peace of God that is ours through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ move our ears to hear and our hearts to be in tune to the message of Jesus, our Savior, the one truth that really matters. Amen. I invite you now to confess with your lips what is in your heart, the faith we have in our God as, as revealed in the Nicene Creed.